Today on Lifelong Learning, we're focusing on a shift that's happening in education, that being quality improvement education. We see clinicians engaged in education for their personal improvement, but system improvement is a large part of the Affordable Care Act. So how does QI, or quality improvement, fit into education, and what does it mean for our listeners? We're here today to explore this. Welcome to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Alicia Sutton, and with me today is Robin King, CEO of the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Profession. Welcome, Robin. We're glad you can join us. Thank you, Alicia. It's nice to be here. Let's start out with kind of the global picture of what does QI mean? We certainly know our listeners, our clinicians, they understand sort of the performance improvement, but how about quality improvement education. What, what does that mean? I like to think of quality improvement as a movement because there are a fair number of people everywhere I go that are talking about it. So it's a fundamental shift that's out there in healthcare and healthcare reform. More important than the movement aspect of it is actually the patient at the center and what happens. So we have a shift from what might have been the silos of individual practitioners to more of a team-based focus on systems change. And so when we think about the patient at the center of what, it's the patient at the center of the practice. And so then the shift is from an individual practitioner to how the team around the patient functions in an improvement of quality. And so that's taking the whole circle around the patient. And that is a big shift, obviously, with patients and families being beyond the recipients of healthcare and now being influencers of healthcare and healthcare education. Yes. So we can no longer talk just about any one of the components. And in the earlier forms of continuing education, it was the individual performance improvement. Okay, mostly when we talked about medical education, that's just of the physician. But now we have an entire workforce of a team, including the nurse practitioner, the RN, the LPN, the physician assistant, and now the pharmacist with Part D especially. And so there's a whole team of practitioners within the practice. And so the shift with the patient at the center is learning new tools, learning new educational models for a team-based shift in quality improvement for the practice that's around the, the patient. So it really is imperative that the educators around the country develop these new tools that are team-centric. So each professional, each practitioner of healthcare delivery finds a place on the team for a common goal, a common good, a common shift in quality improvement. Are you seeing any roadblocks to people moving forward in this direction? I mean, it's here. We know that. It's here to stay, as it should be. It gives us much better data. Are you seeing some roadblocks along the way? Well, interestingly, we're here at the summit, the Alliance Industry Summit, in its seventh year meeting here in New Jersey this year. And one of the common things that I've been noticing is referencing to true QIE projects that have been going on since about 2000. And we have several members of the Alliance who have done very well in this space. It simply hasn't really taken that shift nationally and through the medical colleges, the medical schools, the nursing schools, and others. Now we have this second movement 
on IPE, which is interprofessional education, and there's a lot of talk about that. So the means to build tools that are truly team-based and competencies that are team-based as opposed to single individuals is happening. It's just happening more slowly than maybe we would have thought when the first concepts through healthcare reform began to be generated. IOM came out with studies, with reports. So there's a sort of a lag in adoption, if you will, to team-based practice quality improvement. And obviously our listeners are clinicians, so they are practicing, but they're also educators, many of them, whether they're educating their colleagues in a small institution, a large one. How might they go about thinking about quality improvement? You know, if they've got a QI department, maybe someone's doing that for them. But if they don't operate in that institution, what are some ways they can think about quality in their own educational efforts? Well, first and foremost, to engage the faculty and the educational designers in the needs of the system. So don't think too far out of the box at what education is doing. Look at the needs right there in care delivery and identify what should be and needs to be accomplished in a system's change through the team and then design the education around it or look for the models. For example, bloodline infection preventing readmissions has been challenged and accomplished in quality improvement education for some time. And there are studies all around the country. Uh, Peter Pronovosta, Johns Hopkins, along with CE City, has done a program. The entire state of Rhode Island adopted a single setting tool that was team-based right out of the CE education area. So there are examples around the country of projects that are scalable and are meaningful all the way down to reimbursement. We simply have to remember that it is achievable if we analyze the need, look at the gaps, and then talk to the education team and the faculty about how we can design a program. You've mentioned some great companies and institutions here. They sound like they are constituents of your organization, the Alliance for Continuing Education and Health Professions. Tell us a little bit about what your organization does. Well, the Alliance is the largest and really only broad-based across all of the health profession education pieces. We have about 25% of our 2,200 members are hospitals and health systems, the majority, wide majority of specialties, uh, societies and subspecialties, and then the medical colleges, nursing schools, pharmacy colleges, the industry representatives, those who make grants for healthcare education, health practice education in disease areas, as well as general education, and companies that provide medical education around the country. So it sounds like the whole system itself is represented in your own organization, so it gives you good perspectives. Yes, the broad base really of medical education and clinical and pharmacy education now integrated. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Alicia Sutton and I'm speaking with Robin King from the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions, and we're talking about quality improvement education. Let's look out a little bit, maybe not too, too far, but, you know, three to five years. What do you see changing in terms of how education might be offered or perhaps even measured as we look out on QI? Well, there is a lot of talk and a lot of shift on standards and measures in this area. And the United States has a great healthcare system that we all know about. It does have its issues in trying to reform for cost efficiencies for funding efficiencies and for real patient care that is measured in different ways. The things that are maybe critical are that we 
harmonize or find harmony within our standards for certification, for learning hours, if time-based education is truly going to continue and emerge as a means of quality improvement, to look at the way we deliver education. And the old didactic lecture may not be the means of the future. So we always have to be thinking about the learner, the learner as the practitioner in our sense, because we are all about practice education. And then if the patient is engaged as a member of the learning team and not self-prescribing, but self-identifying needs and a true member of the learning team, then we have to understand communicating with the patient himself or herself and the caregivers around them. So it's an emerging open box of new thinking. And it focuses clearly on education and research and quality all combined in one for sure. Yes. Robin, when we talk about interdisciplinary education, when we talk about system education, clearly there are lots of silos in there and they may speak different languages. They may do things a different way. How do we break down those silos so that we can get to the quality improvement end game? It's really important that we don't only talk about other people's silos. (laughs) So it's maybe even comfortable to start with our own. And within educators here in the United States, there are different taxonomies that slow us down. And so we may be talking about a journal that certainly we can read or our colleagues can read, but it moves one step out into another area of the healthcare system. And the academia taxonomy simply doesn't translate. And so we have to think about our own silos, but at the same time, in this complex system of healthcare in the United States, we have to recognize the silos outside of education that we need to interface with. And for example, health IT. The great news that I just heard this morning on EHR adoption, quite frankly, was really surprised that the majority now of Americans' EHRs are actually in systems out there, electronic health records Mm -hmm. from a patient view. And that's very exciting. But what is being done with that information? The HIT example of the silo is they speak a totally different language. The technology use for meaningful use and the high-tech act within our current legislation really is being spoken in a dramatically different language than the education language. That's just two of the silos. So they're really all around, and it's not a negative thing. It simply demands more attention and interaction so that we begin to speak the same language, especially in education that would reach the team and the patient. Do you recommend a few websites where our listeners can go to to learn more about quality education, quality improvement education, and also, you know, how to break down those barriers in communication? Are there some recommended ones that you'd... Well, I would start right now with more of a neutral center and point you to ARCS, National Quality Standards, because there are six levers within the national quality standards that the HHS office right now is using as a guide. And ARC is a disseminator in a way of those standards are calling for common use of those. So what I'm really pointing toward is a framework that we can all think about learn within, then apply our own languages to try to speak across the framework in the United States. And obviously your own website would provide additional information. Certainly. And we're building for quality improvement education content every day through conferences like this and the roadmap that will come out in September. Based on what you've heard at the conference and and obviously what we've been talking about, what do you think are the most important points 
for clinicians to think about as they move forward. It's not like we really have much of a choice to change it. You know, the Affordable Care Act, but also the desire to have that data out there and understand it and use it. So what would be some of the important things to keep in mind in their own practice? Speaking of data, of managing data, there's a clerical side and a tedious, if you will, side of all of that, that questions important sometimes. But to recognize that our world really is accountable in various ways. So whatever our standards, our measures, our data metrics are, are really important. So just to focus in on the meaningful data, when we think about meaningful use in technology, for example, the great driver of that is the word meaningful. Okay, so to be able to select a data set that are most important and to manage those without trying to manage all data or deal with too much information. And are you seeing some health IT tools that stand out a little bit, even down to the mobile app level for a physician to use or a patient to use to get to the data that can tell a meaningful story? I did have the pleasure of going to HIMSS 14 this year. In working with HIMSS a little bit, we have a dialogue to try to infuse really educational learning into the interoperability program for HIMSS 15 next year. And so I hope that we're able to engage our competencies or maybe even find new competencies that will engage education learning into some of the technology. Not so specifically today that I would attempt to define that, Alicia, but rather work with the HIMSS interoperability program and think of new and engaging ways to invoke learning competencies. For our listeners that may not have checked out HIMSS yet, that stands for the Health Information and Management Systems Society. And it is the largest, like we are much smaller than HIMSS, but we represent education and educators through the health systems. HIMSS represents the high technology information, health technology industry, if you will, within the healthcare sector and very vibrant and really energizing display at their annual conference of new technologies that help healthcare. Well, as we wrap up this interview and your information to us, any parting thoughts you'd like to leave with the listeners about quality improvement? I just encourage all practitioners, physicians, and others to embrace learning and remember that lifelong learning is a opportunity to improve practice and that we're all in this together. And so the educators out there within all of the systems for continuing education, that's medical, clinical, and pharmacy, should want to work with you, faculty and learners alike, to solve some problems. Thank you very much for your insights today, Robin. They've been very helpful. You've been listening to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD. I'm Alicia Sutton, and I've been talking to Robin King, the CEO of the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Alicia. To download this segment, go to ReachMD.com or download the podcast on your ReachMD mobile app. Thanks again.